Uh, hey, I want to start with a quick video clip, though. This is from a few years ago. Take a look at this. Hi, what's your name, darling? My name is Susan Boyle. Okay, uh, Susan, and where are you from? I am from Blackburn near Bathgate, West Lothian. It's a big town. It's a sort of collection of... It's a collection of... Uh, villages. I to think there. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. <laughs> and that's just one side of me. Hey, uh, if you've never seen that before, if you're watching online, we can't put it out there on streaming, but you can just search Susan Boyle on YouTube. It'll be the first thing that comes up. It's got got 253 million views or something like that. It's from Britain's Got Talent uh, a long time ago, 2009. I'm feeling old. 2009 is a long time ago now, if you know what I mean. But, uh, but it's from a long time ago. And the thing that I love about that video clip is the reaction shots. You see the reaction shots of the people in the crowd or the people who are the judges and they're just looking at her like there is no way. They had already written this lady off by her mannerisms, right? And, and basically she starts to sing and everybody there goes, whoa, like what is happening right now, right? Nobody expected that to come out of her mouth. Now here's the thing. She had a gift that nobody knew about. She had a gift that you couldn't see by looking at her, but it was a gift. And so there's that moment where you go, wow, that's incredible. Today, we're talking about gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts. And so you have a gift. I just want to remind you, you have a gift, and we can't tell by looking at you what your gift is. Now, I have one goal and one goal only this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage the snot out of you this morning. Actually, that's kind of weird to you. That's nasty. I don't want to encourage the snot out of you. You don't want anybody next to you with the snot encouraged out of them, do you? No, that's just wrong. It's like, Sally, blow your nose. Look at all that encouragement, okay? Uh, But I really do want to encourage you. I want you to leave here today reminded that you're gifted, that God's given you this gift and he wants you to use here. If you're sitting here today in the auditorium, if you're over in the gym or, or maybe you're watching online, I want you to understand that, that you are gifted and that God has an important gift that he wants you to use for your, for your family, for your church family and for your community. And so I, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he has gifted you and he wants you to use that gift to encourage others. So if you've got your notes or your outline, jump in with me this morning. We are back in the book of Romans. We are in Romans chapter 12. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, Glenn told you last week, there's sort of a dividing line and the whole book turns. In, in Romans 1 through 3 about, um, basically the message is you, you, there's no way you're getting into heaven. You can't be good enough. You can't get into heaven on your own. You can't be good enough. You can't be moral enough. You can't pray your way in. You're not getting into heaven on your own. And then we see that it it sort of changes in chapters 5 and 6. And in 5 and 6, we see that God made a way to get to you. He knew you couldn't get to him because of his holiness, so he made a way to get to you. And God came for us and made a way for us through the cross, through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. And then there's some discussion on getting rid of this old self and, and, and sort of getting rid of the old sinful Steve and putting on this new self. And then last week, Glenn told you, Therefore, and it was this boom, therefore, in the middle of Romans. And, and the therefore changes the tone. It's the, what I call the so what of Romans. 
Um, so we offer our bodies back to Christ. If, if Romans 1 through 11 is true, then we offer our bodies back to Christ and as a living sacrifice. And we, we want to renew our mind and chase after God's will. So this week, we're going to see that the, your so what, really, is you be you. You need to be you in Romans here. So that's what we're talking about. This, this morning is all about you. Did you know that? It's all about you. Do you know you're awesome? You're awesome. You are awesome. You're awesome. You're all awesome. You're awesome. Although you're a little messed up too. Am I right? Am I right? You're a little messed up too. And, and I feel like I know you, but sometimes you do things that I just don't feel like I know you at all. Does that make sense? But we are talking about you this morning. And any discussion about you has to start with sort of this honest evaluation. If you've got your notes there, you can fill in the blanks or don't if you're rebellious, I don't care. Uh, but it, there's this honest evaluation about who are you. And we're going to jump right into Romans chapter 12 and read along with me if you would. It says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are what? So say it with me now. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be what? Honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body and we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now, any discussion about you, about how awesome you are, about your gifts, has to start with humility. It has to start with humility. Um, before we start talking about your gifts, we need to do an honest evaluation of who you are. Giftedness always starts with this discussion on humility. I want to encourage this, not out of you this morning, but honestly, before we do that, we need to talk about humility. And let's, let's kind of get a good understanding of humility. Because humility is not a low opinion of yourself, but an honest opinion of yourself. It's not a low opinion of yourself, but an honest one. I, some of you I know walked in here today, for whatever reason, you walked in here today with a low opinion of yourself. And if I'm honest, someone probably did that to you. Someone probably gave you that low opinion of yourself. Either directly or indirectly, throughout your life, they've been communicating that you aren't good enough. That you don't have what it takes. And that voice may be ringing in your ears as you're sitting here today. Like that voice, you can hear it now. I want you to hear something from me clearly. They lied. They're wrong. You are incredible. They lied, and, and, and honestly, so many of those people who are spewing that message that you're not good enough, that are trying to put you down, they're spewing that message largely because they feel that way about themselves. And it's the easiest way to bring you into their suffering is to convince you that you're not good enough either, right? And so they bring you down into that low opinion of themselves, and they feel better if you feel that way too. But it is a lie, and here's how I know it's a lie. Psalm 139 is this poem written about you. And it tells us what God thinks of you. It's a poem about you. Psalm 139, 14 says this. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is what? It's what? Say it again. It's marvelous. How well I know it. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2, we see it here. It says, for we are God's... Oh, you got to say it like you mean it. We are God's what? You're a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things 
He planned for us long ago. You're a masterpiece. Listen, I think sometimes when we're, when we're kind of being confronted with our gifts and people are telling us we're awesome, we say, oh, no, not really. I'm okay. I just, you know, I'm okay. And the truth of the matter is, is you're, an aust- you're a masterpiece. Embrace the fact that you're a masterpiece. You have gifts. You have some awesome gifts. But get this, before we get into the gifts, we've got to see them with some humility. Because you aren't better than any better than anyone else. You're just uniquely different. You're not any better than anyone else. You're just uniquely different. And, and in this passage, we're going to see where Paul gives a list of gifts. He's about to list out a bunch of gifts. But before he does, he wants to make sure that you don't think too highly of yourself. You know who you are. You think too highly of yourself. You know, you're kind of stuffing it down, not me. But, but some of us who are gifted uh, think highly of ourselves and think highly of our gifts. You know, much of the friction of life, I've, I've seen this again and again, much of the friction of life comes from unmet expectations, right? And the truth of the matter is, is that many gifted people tend to expect others to perform at your level. And you expect them to perform at your level of your gift. And here's the crazy thing about that, right? They don't have your gift. They don't have it. It's not their gift. You've got your gift, right? And, and by the way, if they did have your gift, right, and they could do it at the giftedness in, in which you do it, guess who we wouldn't need? We wouldn't need you. But the truth of the matter is, is that we expect people to operate in that way, and we do need you, and we need them, and we need their gift at the same time. But when you project these unrealistic expectations on other people and other believers or someone else, you know who's miserable? Both of you. You're miserable that they didn't live up to your gift, and they're miserable that they don't feel like they measure up to your gift, and the truth of the matter is, is you're just gifted differently. Nobody's better than one another. You're just unique and different. See, there's a problem with being a masterpiece. Here's the problem with being a masterpiece. If you're a masterpiece and you've got good gifts, the problem is is that sometimes our greatest gifts can become our greatest weaknesses. Our greatest gifts can become our greatest weaknesses. Think about it this way. Whatever you are really good at, you tend to not depend on God for anymore. Does that make sense? If you're really good at something, you're like, I don't know if I really need God. I'll just go do this myself. Let me ask you a question. If you're a teacher, do you really need to go to God for his power for your Thursday lesson plan? Nah, I got this. I can do lesson planning in my sleep, right? I can do this. If you're a manager... Hypothetically, do you, do you end up going to you seek God, you get on your knees and pray for opportunities at your staff meeting? Nah, I, I mean, I got staff meeting. I'll just make an agenda and I'll do it. Like, we tend not to rely on God when we've got these things that we know we can do well, right? Um, if you're a musician and you've played this song a thousand times and you think, do I really need God's power to play this song? And you think, nah, I got this. And you hit your, your pedal and you, right, you play it out. Like, we tend to think that that's true. I mean, hypothetically, if you're a, a preaching pastor, you might decide to just lean on your own sense of humor and energy rather than leaning on God and needing God to... Is this awkward for anyone but me? I, I mean, the truth of the matter is... is you know, when I get up and use my gift, this gift that God's given me, I do it on stage. And, 
And in the back there, they cue the lighting for the sermon. And I can barely see you people. Do you know that? Like, I got these transition lenses, and I got, I got nothing. I can't see any of you. And I, I start to look at that. And, and then they, they make sure that I, when I'm referencing the screen, I got to look up to the screen over here because the screen over here makes it look right in the online experience so that I look like I know what I'm doing. And, and I know the camera two over there is the camera that I get my close-up on. How you doing, camera two over there? Right in... On this side, good, my good side, absolutely, right? And at some point, you start to believe that you're something. You know what I'm talking about? Start to think, well, I've got some, I might start to believe, I might be as good as Pastor Glenn, it's hard to say, you know? But at the end of the day, if you stop relying on yourself, you start to try and do it in your power. And I don't ever want to do this in my power. Because if I do this in my power, it'll be bad. But you could start to believe your own hype. Listen, every time I sit over there and I'm getting ready to preach and I'm, and I'm talking to God and I, and I sit down there and I'm getting ready to preach a message and I think to myself, I want every person at First Baptist Church to be overwhelmed with the truth that I am the greatest speaker they've ever heard. <laughs> you want to know why? Because I'm just messed up like that. Like, uh, like my gift can become my greatest weakness if I'm not actively fighting against it and say, no, God, this has got to be about you. My greatest gift can become my greatest weakness. Here's the point of all this. You ready? Because a gift is simply a gift. Get over yourself. Whatever your gift is, and I'm sure it's a great gift, it's a gift. Get over yourself. Think about all gifts. Gifts are given to you. You didn't really deserve it when it was given to you, right? It's, it's just a gift. Maybe this will hopefully help you understand it. How many of you here, by a show of hands, can tell me that you chose where you were born? <laughs> Nobody, right? Nobody. How many here, can you, you chose the IQ that you were born with? Forget about your schooling, the IQ like that, innate ability to, nobody, huh, that's interesting. How many of you here chose your personality, right? You, this personality that you didn't choose any of that, did you, right? How many here chose your Myers-Briggs profile? You, you scouted introvert, extrovert, I'm judging or perceiving like, like, no. Those came to you as a gift. How many people here chose your parents? No, how many would have liked to? I'm just kidding. Uh, You know, the truth of the matter is, is that these are all gifts. How many of you chose your gifts? You didn't choose them. The Holy Spirit gave them to you. And it's just a gift. We've got to get over ourselves. Listen, I didn't choose my gifts. You're a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece. But you aren't any better than anybody else. And your gift isn't better than anybody else's gift. You have some great gifts. And you are uniquely different. And I want you to use them. But we're not better than anybody else. Okay, you ready? Because I'm going to start encouraging. Hold on to your snot. Here we go. Cooperation. Cooperation. Get this. We need you. We need you and we need your gifts. Romans 12 continues. And it says this. In his grace, God has given us. What's he given us? Different gifts, stick with me people, God has given us what? Different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to what? Prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is what? Serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to what? 
Encourage the snot out of others. Be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you, what else? Leadership ability. Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for what? Showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Get this. I want to talk about spiritual gifts. And I want to make sure that you understand what spiritual gifts are and what they are not. Spiritual gifts are not... Here's what they're not. They are not natural talents. Everyone, Christian and or non-Christian, whether you've accepted the gift of the Holy Spirit, has some natural talents. You've got some natural talents or, or abilities, right? And your talents tend to give you a sense of ID, identity and even self-worth. If you're a good athlete, uh, that was given to you. There's some people that are just good athletes, and I'm like, I will never keep up with you. I just can't do it because you just got that built into you. You give them a ball, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. They're, good at, they're just good at that. It's built into them. If you're uh, super smart and you don't have to work at school, first of all, we hate you. But uh, secondly, it's like that was given to you. You're just naturally like that. You're wired that way. You're smart. You just retain things easily. If you can sing or dance, that is a gift that some of us don't have. Uh, Some of us struggle even during worship with rhythmic clapping. I know how it works, right? But you've been given that as a gift. It's 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 a natural talent. It's something that was that was born into you. You're good in business. You're good with numbers or organization, whatever. But we tend to take our self-value and our self-identity, our self-worth from some of those natural, natural talents and abilities. I keep using gifts and natural talents. Those are all natural talents. There's another thing, skills. Your skills, these are things that you have worked hard at to attain. You have worked hard to attain these skills, right? Uh, You become good at them. You have put in the work, and now you have these skills. It is not enough to have musical uh, natural ability. You got to put in the effort to be a good uh, musician. You got to put in the effort. Um, it is, you can work a, a spreadsheet. You may be good at organization, but when I give you an Excel spreadsheet, you can work magic with the Excel. I know. Well, I'm looking right at you. Uh, she, you know, you can work that and you've, you've gained that. You've, you've worked to do that. Some of you can use a nail gun. That's incredible. Like, you know what you're doing on a construction site. Some of you can start an IV drip on the first time and, and you've learned those skills over time. Spiritual gifts are not skills. Here's the third thing that spiritual gifts are not. They are not the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is listed for us in Scripture in Galatians, and we see this, but the fruit of the Spirit, understand this, is for all believers. All believers. If you're a believer, you should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. All followers of Jesus Christ should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. They are an outcome of God working in our lives. So I want to show you the fruit of the Spirit so we understand each other here. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What is it? Love. What else? Joy. What else? Peace. And? And? What else? And what else? And? And one more. Against these things. There is no law against these things. Every Christian should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Now you can't say... Oh, I'm not patient. I mean, I just don't have that gift. You can't say that, okay? You just can't say that. You can't be a rude jerk to people and go, yeah, well, gentleness just isn't my gift. Like, you can't do that, all right? That's not acceptable because that's not the fruit of the Spirit. These aren't spiritual gifts, right? It, 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 
the fruit of the Spirit is something different that we all should be growing on. You, if you leave here with nothing else today, it is not okay to be an impatient, rude jerk. Do you understand that? That is a fruit of the Spirit, and God should be growing in you so that that isn't true. So the question is, what are these spiritual gifts? What are these spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are these divine abilities. They were given to you by the Holy Spirit, and it's given to every believer according to God's design for the good of others. I want to say it one more time. Spiritual gifts are these divine abilities that have been given by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and the good of others. When you become a believer in God, when you ask Jesus Christ in your heart, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, you are given a gift to be used in the church and to be used to reach and serve others in Jesus' name. Now, this can be a controversial subject. Uh, Some of the gifts in some of the passages, this passage is pretty innocuous, but there's other passages where people get really worked up over some of the gifts. There are four focal passages in the Bible about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, here in Romans 12, we see it in Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. And each passage lists these gifts a little differently, but we see certain gifts repeated, but the list is always a little bit different. And the reason I think those lists are a little bit different is, and this is just me saying this, I'm not sure it's biblical doctrinal truth, but I think the reason none of those two lists are the same is because I don't think God says you can put a limit on me. I think he's got gifts, to, uh, gifts and gifts of plenty that he can give out, right? And so we see, we get caught up in lists of gifts. I don't know why. Speaking in tongues especially is one that people get. But that's just one gift out of this list of many. So I don't think any two lists are the same because I don't think God wants to be limited by a list that's definitive. Now, I, I've been trying to think of a way to sort of give you an illustration of what these gifts are like. And probably the best example I can give is if I need a cup of coffee, though, to do this. Does somebody have a cup of coffee anybody over over there oh okay all right that no, no, that's good all right i'll get this one thank you ooh latte mmm delicious oh that's hot wow okay so here's the okay so how you react to somebody spilling a cup of coffee could tell you what your spiritual gift are. Are you ready? Here's the first reaction to that. This is how you react to spilled coffee. Might tell you your spiritual gift. Here's the first one. Service says, let me help you clean that up. Nobody? It's a big mess right here. No, okay. All right. So so let me help you clean that up. Uh, Mercy. Mercy says, I am so sorry that that happened. Let me get you another cup. If you have the gift of giving, you say, here, you can have my cup. See, you have the gift of giving. You were going to give me your cup of coffee. That's so sweet of you. All right, here we go. Administration. Hey, would you get the mop? You help pick this up, and you go get him another cup of coffee. That's the gift of administration. Does that make sense? The gift of faith says, where God empties one cup, he always fills another. <laughs> right? Uh, The gift of teaching says, if you'd pay attention, you wouldn't spill your coffee next time, right? Exhortation, maybe you should let someone else hold your coffee, you know what I mean? Wisdom, there is no crying over spilled coffee. Miracles, let's ask God to put the coffee back in the cup, right? How about 
healing. I am praying against any physical or emotional trauma caused by that spilled coffee. And lastly, prophecy. If you keep doing that, you're going to get burned, fella. How do you discover your gifts? Well, let me give you a quick thing. The first thing is, is you should read through those passages. I gave you four passages there. What leaps off the page at you as a gift? What do you think your gifts are? Which of those descriptions do you think, oh yeah, that's me. I really trend that way. Then you need to ask someone who knows you, like someone who's scary knows you, like knows everything about you, and say, what do you think my gifts are, right? And ask them if they agree. This week's community group video that Pastor Glenn put out is a great resource for you this week, and it encourages you to sort of dive deeper into your gifts and discovering your gifts, and help those in your groups identify your gifts. People that you know will help you know your gifts. And so I want you to see, this is really important, because once you discover your gift, and that's a whole process of discovering your gift, you need to understand that your gift isn't for you, it's for the kingdom. Your gift isn't for you, it's for the kingdom. Here's one of those other passages with a list of gifts. 1 Peter 4, it says this, God has given each of you a gift from his what? Great variety. That's why I don't believe any list is definitive. There's this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve who? One another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to who? God. Through who? Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You have a gift, but your gift isn't for you. It's for everybody else. Your gift was made to be used in the lives of others, in the lives of those in your church, in the lives of those in your family, in the lives of those in your community. You know, I sometimes wonder, how does God give these gifts out? And I, I sort of think God is working at it at all times. I think he's looking down from heaven, and he sees that there's a need for a gift, right? And, and he's looking down, and he says, man, these people need the gift of organization or administration, and he taps someone on the shoulder that has that gift and he creates a job transfer and they end up living in a new city and they had no idea how they got there and, and they're living in a new house and in a new neighborhood or, or maybe you got a raise and you upsized your house and moved or, or maybe something happened financially and you downsized. I really genuinely don't think God cares that much about what kind of house you live in. I think he cares that you're using your gifts in the middle of that neighborhood or that family or that church. And so I see that he's doing that in so many different places. And he thinks, man, this, these people need a new administrator. And he, and he drops an administrator into our lives. I, maybe a new believer that comes to faith in Jesus Christ in a church. And, and, and this new believer had, had nothing to do with God. But then the Holy Spirit is implanted in him. And he's given this gift. And maybe it's even a gift that he never had before. The gift of mercy. And he has this gift and he walks into this church that doesn't have anybody that has a gift of mercy and suddenly this new believer guy has just got compassion for hurting people and he's got mercy on people that are struggling with addictions or, or whatever else it is and God says, I can use you, I can put him into that situation right now and use them. See, God, I really believe this, that God has you right here, right now for a reason. In this exact time in your life, he's got you where you are because he's got a gift that you have been given that you're supposed to use to make a difference in the lives of others. I don't know, 2021, right here in Lodi, California, you have been called to do the business of Jesus. And where you are now is where he wants you to be. You might move in three months, I don't know, but for those next three months, you're gonna use your gift for the glory of God. 
I mean, you probably thought you bought your house because of an open floor plan and big closets, but, but God put you on your street because he, he knew he needed you in this church and in this community. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that your gifts have been given to you to be used by you right now, right here. Which leads me to, so what, Steve? What do we do with this? Well, I bet you have heard this said before. You've probably heard it from very gifted people. If you want something done right, do you know that is not biblical? It's not biblical. It's really not biblical. God says that's not true. God has chosen to delegate so much of his work here on earth to us. I think God could do it better than I could. But he says, no, Steve, I want you to do it. And, and you'd say, are you sure about that, God? And God's like, yeah. And so God gave us the resources to do that. And he gave us his, his people, skills and gifts and abilities to do his purposes. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, a spiritual gift is given to who? Each of us, so we can help who? Each other. So the truth of the matter is, is that you have to use your gift. you got to use your gift. If you don't use it, it's not doing anybody any good. Look at Susan Boyle, a few years later, gets invited back to sing for Simon. other contestant who has defined this show better than you if I'm being honest with you you're the one you made a huge difference to a lot of people's lives and I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here Susan Boyle's gift would still be hidden in a little village in England where she lived alone with her cats if she hadn't stepped out onto that stage and used her gift you've got a gift And for some of you, it is time to step out and step into your gift and to use it. You have got to participate. The participation is you do you. You've got to do you. You've got to do your thing in front of people or in the behind the scenes, whether it's administration or helping others, whether it's mercy or or teaching or whatever it is, you've got to do you. I want to read to you one more list of gifts. I just wanted you to have all of these in your notes, all these lists of gifts. I'm going to read through this very quickly in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want you to hear this list of gifts. It says, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. It says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the ability to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret uh, unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, 
But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. After this list of spiritual gifts, in, this, in, this, in 1 Corinthians 12, we see this little, almost like a throwaway little tagline. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Get this. All of your gifts are worthless unless you give them in. And then you turn to the next verse, and it's 1 Corinthians 13.1. And 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. It's about loving. It says, if I could speak all the languages of heaven, of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, you see that list of gifts coming back again, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything, there's generosity I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I want you to get this because your gift isn't the point. Love is. Your gift isn't the point. Love is. Your specific gift isn't really that important. It's the love you share for others. The gift reflects love. You do you. You're a masterpiece. You do you. Only you can do you. We need you. You do you. Would you just pray with me? God, as we leave here today, I hope challenged by this idea to find our gifts, to live out our gifts. God, that we wouldn't be satisfied with uh, these gifts and maybe knowing what they are, but that we have to live them out, that we would be who you called us to be that we would share these gifts in love with the people you'll put in our lives, our family, our friends, our church family, even our community here in Lodi, God. Help us to see these gifts from you for your kingdom, God, that we are just a conduit of your love to others who need your love so desperately, Father. Help us to be about the gifts you've given us because in love it makes a difference in the life of others. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.